Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannon, wearing his third red shirt today. Just kidding, is it third, uh, third episode of red shirt? Okay. My fifth episode with my black shirt. How's it going today, Jeff? Uh, it's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. Hope it's going great for everybody else as well. Hope everyone is having a great day. If this is the first time you're tuning in, be sure to check out all of our content. And the best place to get access to all of that is to go to focuscompounding.com slash app. And what that'll do is that will take you to a place uh, if you're watching that you can see right now where you can get access to our 200 plus uh, episode backlog of the podcasts, daily investing write-ups by Jeff, 2,000 words per write-up, mm -hmm. and then frequent videos, uh, behind-the-scenes type stuff. And, of course, we have a lot of um, scuttlebutt trips planned. That's a very big part of our research. So we're going to record um, takeaways and take you with us on the road. And to get access to that, go to focuscompound.com slash app and sign up for $7.95 a month. Helps support everything that we do here. Um, and we're definitely very appreciative of that. And also, uh, in the future, we're going to take direct questions from um, individuals that do sign up. You can email me if you are a member at focuscompounding at gmail.com and we'll make a video out of it for you and put it up on the, on the site, on the app. Uh, so in today's episode, we're going to go through a write-up that you posted on the app that I thought was really good. And you had a lot of like good one-liners and you were actually talking about your favorite um, value investing podcast. Correct. Val Hughes emailed me. Yes. It was in my spam. So if okay. Val Hughes values, right? right if right. Val Hughes, I didn't even realize that until I told Jeff, I'm like, I don't know, some guy named Val Hughes. He's like, oh, it's Val Hughes, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, he emailed me and it ended up in my spam basically saying, hey, heard that our podcast was Jeff's favorite. By the way, we're back. So mm -hmm. I had to tweet it out. I had to tell Jeff. Jeff was very excited to hear that that podcast was back. Yep. They took about, what, a two-year hiatus? Something like that, couple, yeah. Some couple yeah. years. Um, and you, you know, go through in this write up, you say how listening to the value guys podcast can get you out of learning mode and into practicing mode. Mm -hmm. And you have, like I said, a lot of good one liners and you take us through this post on like what you like about, um, you know, what you like about their podcast. But one thing I thought mm -hmm. was interesting was there's, you don't ever lead with like, there's a one size that fits all. Okay. You said Phil Fisher didn't spend a lot of time just sitting there reading 10 Ks all day. Mm -hmm. There's many different ways to skin the cat. A lot of what he did was, you know, talking to people in the industry, uh, stuff like that. Warren Buffett obviously has spent a lot of his time reading 10 Ks, but really it's whatever fits your personality, the way that you are, the way that you operate. Um, and I thought that was interesting because you don't really ever, I've never heard you kind of talk, say that, I guess you could say, where, you know, it's whatever kind of works for you uh, when okay. it comes to this. So I thought that was great. Um, you go through talking about Bank of America and how a lot of people are naturally pretty interested in the stock because Buffett has purchased more of the company. Mm -hmm. um, but take me through first, like the Value Guy podcast. Like, why do you think it's a great podcast for people to listen to? Right. So I gave two reasons. One, they don't take themselves or the show too seriously, which is a good thing. Um, they give their opinions about whatever stuff they're talking about. And when they talk about our specific stocks, now they add in a little bit like, uh, of other stuff around it, but mainly it's just talking about specific stocks, which is great. Um, that is the thing that's most important for people to do is to learn about how to apply the general investing ideas that you have to specific stocks. So when they say, okay, here's my 
EBITDA by EV is my cash on cash yield that I'm getting, plus I'm going to get this amount of growth and stuff. They actually do the math on a specific stock to tell you that instead of things where people are like, well, value investing is about EV to EBITDA or whatever. Um, the biggest thing that's an issue that I get from most people I talk to is they study a ton about value investing stuff and they do very, very little. They've actually read very few 10Ks. They've bought very few stocks that they picked on their own and everything. And um, they just haven't analyzed much individual stocks that they picked on their own. Instead, they've just read everything that Graham wrote or Fisher wrote or, uh, you know, Greenblatt or, or whatever. They've read the biographies of Buffett. They've read textbooks on things. They've listened to our podcast and stuff, but they really haven't applied those ideas to specific stocks. And so a show that has weekly stock picks of some kind and stock picks where they're like, uh, these are okay stock stock picks sometimes you know they're like these these are medium good stock mm. picks sometimes they say well this one could go to zero or could be good you know um but they're honest about that sort of thing and stuff right um and like how you would look at it so i mean it's not like a lot of research goes into the stocks that they pick or anything but they do pick stocks and give a reason for why they do it and it's a live example mm -hmm. which means that you'll see the mistakes that they make or the success that they have and you can look at it and, and like go and analyze on your own and they don't give a ton of detail on it in a way that would like kill the idea for you doing the research yourself it's a very good source of like taking that idea and then doing something with it do they ever follow up on past stock picks? Uh, sort of, but not really, no. Yeah, so you did write in here, you said the biggest mistake I see new investors making is trying to learn instead of trying to do. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that was very interesting because That's a lot of people, a, one, yeah. a lot of people, I think where they're hung up on, I don't, you know what I really think it is? I think it's valuation. That's okay. what it is. A lot of people are always very hung up on valuation and even I've been there, but majority of the questions we get is like, well, how do you value this, right? If you watch you know, different videos on how people value stocks. Everyone does it differently. Yeah. If you read a book, everyone does it differently. Do you use EBITDA? Do you use NOPAT? Do you use that income, cash flow? Mm -hmm. Do you use free cash? Like, what do you use? So I think right. that's where a lot of people get very hung up uh, when it comes to just the learning process because they feel like if they value business, they're not doing it the right way, maybe, because so many people do it so differently. And I think that's really where it comes in, like the art form of it, as opposed to it being just like an exact science. Yeah. And since a lot of stocks go up 50% or down 35% or whatever in a, in a given year, pretty regularly, um, obviously people aren't all using the same approach. If they're mm -hmm. all using the same approach and putting them in a model that way, it would be pretty hard to get inputs in the model that would be off by that much, that this could be a $65 stock or like $150 stock, mm -hmm. you know, which is not an unusual range for a, a stock. Um, so, I, you know, it's people comparing those different things. And that's what we've talked about with different stocks. Obviously, people are using some sort of appraisal method for FICO and Chipotle. That's very different than what I could come up with. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, we talked about public storage and stuff. I'm like, okay, I mean, I wouldn't buy it necessarily and stuff. But I, that's something that makes a lot of sense that you could have something trading at 20 times EBITDA. Mm -hmm. That's all just storage units and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then you go on and you talk about riding other investor coattails and how in the long term, you don't actually think that's a good thing. And you, again, you give another good one-liner. You say, okay. what will always be worth the most to you is your own self-improvement. Mm -hmm. And then you go through this um, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, mental exercise and exercising your brain and, and everything like that. Mental endurance is what you actually right. call it. So take me through that and your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think it's one of the most important things. And the biggest reason, like if you're not fishing a 10 K, why not? 
I mean, um, physic. I mean, it's not even a physical challenge that you'd have that you might be incapable of doing. I mean, you can't hold your breath for 30 minutes because you'll die. Um, your body will stop you eventually, but you can read for three hours. Your body won't stop you. Yeah. But people don't. Well, the more you do it too, the more it, it's easy. It becomes a lot easier, I would say. Not mm-hmm. even just reading a 10K, but just reading in general. You know, yeah. I, do you ever feel like you're sort of in like the groove of it where it's like, yeah. The other day I was telling you, I was like, I feel like I've just been plowing through material Good. lately. And it's just easy to do it once you've been doing it and you're sort of in the ebb and flow of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Pete, you aren't getting distracted or whatever, just letting yourself get away from it that way. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's sort of like, I don't know if it's a procrastination thing or a temptation thing or whatever. People know that they should read a 10k or whatever but then instead they are browsing things or reading things that are very superficial and stuff like i say in here i actually think it's great to go to value investors club and read the write-ups i think it's great to read everything you can in corner berkshire and fairfax but you have to go beyond that it's great to get that and then to go and do the hard work yourself um because instead spending all your day at cnbc and bloomberg and whatever and on twitter and wherever um is like a very superficial way of doing it very fast. And it's kind of procrastinating from the real work that you need to be doing. You feel like you're doing investing work, right? Mm-hmm. But you're really not. And I was also saying that with this podcast, the Value Guys podcast, because um, it's dealing with specific stocks. I'd rather people who listen to our podcast and stuff listen to that podcast instead of listening to some other investing podcasts. Because by doing that, you get away from just like the the platitudes and whatever things that you get or hearing the same things over and over again about that and have it directly applied to specific stocks. And you also can learn from their mistakes and their successes and things about with you too, because you can look at it and be like, Oh, I hate this stock idea. And then you see it does really well and stuff. They've, I mean, they have shows going back more than 12 years or something, I think, because I mean, I know I was listening to them during the um, financial crisis and everything. So they definitely have a backlog going back that far. They're, they're at about the same number of episodes as us. Oh, no, they're more 300. I think. What I think it is, it's the instant gratification. So on an episode, you were talking once how whenever you have like a great year, people are like, wow, good job. And you're like, yeah, I, I guess I made the right decision two to three years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's the instant gratification, you know, yeah, and Peter especially Lynch was saying it takes three to 10 years for his best ideas to work mm-hmm. out. And even Buffett, a lot of ideas, I mean, he would be buying for years, you know, and we mm-hmm. always, the mental, I, I would just say the discipline it does take to actually do that. Because again, we look back in history and we're like, oh, over a period of 10 years or 15 years is what they did. But that when you're actually living it out, be like, wow, that's, that takes a lot of discipline. Like that's a very long time. But the instant gratification when you are studying a company or whatever and maybe you pass on it people just automatically think in their head like oh i guess that was a waste of time and we've talked a lot about how that's actually that's not a waste at all right you just you you learned about whatever company that it was yeah the other thing i said further on and i think is that um it's you're always going to feel smarter and it's going to feel safer to do the the um uh, reading the books and stuff, Re- you feel like for reading the snowball, you're getting smarter and wiser and whatever things because you're not having to apply any of it though. So the big thing with having to pick actual stocks and listen to these stock picks and stuff is that it's risking looking very stupid. When you pick stocks every week on a show, you risk looking really dumb because you'll say this is whatever this business is, and, and then it turns out that it really goes in a different direction from what you were predicting. Um, both ways that you go, Oh, I don't really like this thing. This is kind of dangerous and whatever. And then it turns out to be a big success or, um, the, or the reverse where you like something a lot and turns out to not be a safe or whatever. And your perception of it can be wrong, your analysis of it. So I think that it's kind of uh, people are very big on self-improvement stuff, 
but they're very big on like reading the self-improvement stuff, not actually doing the work that's going to get you there. And the problem with investing stuff that I was saying is like different. I was giving you the example like, oh, is, is uh, reading a 10K like a muscle or whatever? Well, in one way, but not in the other way, which is that actually it's more complex. And so that way, in terms of your feelings about whether you're making progress, it's a lot harder. That's the part that is people will be like uh, difficult. You will feel dumb doing it because you have to put yourself out there and risk things and stuff in terms of you have to actually pick things. You can't just be trying to do the same thing that everyone else is doing. Um, you know, you can't just copy what other people are doing. And the other part about that is, in my experience, people will hold stocks for longer and will um, bet more on those stocks, put more of their portfolio into it, if it's their own ideas, if they did the homework on it. More now, they conviction. could find it from somewhere else. But I've just always found that people come to me and are like, oh, I'm thinking about investing in this thing because uh, Pabrai is invested in or because Ackman is invested or Buffett or whatever. They just get out of it very fast when something goes negative on it at all, which is fine. When the business goes negative or the price goes negative? The, the, stock. the stock goes negative or, they, or the person who was in it says something not quite as positive about it or something. Mm-hmm. They're just very, you know, and they're very worried. A lot, a lot of times I get things from people that are like, well, how quickly will I know that they're out of it? And... And all those sorts of things. And that's not something that you're going to make a lot of money on uh, if you're that skittish about it. Mm-hmm. So the thing that you are going to have a lot of success with is learning to pick stocks on your own. And the first step to that, I think, for most people or for a lot of people who are having trouble with that is listen to a show where they pick stocks like every week. Because if you do that, then you're going to hear why they're picking them and stuff. You're going to go be able to go in that industry and look for other things. I mean, when that show started, the thing that was great about it, it, it that's a great exercise I'd recommend for other people, is they read Value Line each week, mm-hmm. right? So they just take each issue of Value Line and they pick a few stocks from it that they liked. And then, as we mentioned, like, I think Value Line didn't like that idea. Yeah, they, like, cut them off. Yeah, yeah. So Bad marketing on their part. Yeah, so because I would like to follow along with them with Value Line. Yeah, because once you want to get, like, if you're a fan of the show, you get the same Value Line to see what they're looking at. Absolutely. And you can see that they're only pick, they'd only pick whatever, you know, uh, three or five stocks or whatever of uh, out of um, a Value Line that some Value Line, I think, has, like, 100 uh 120 stocks in or something. Value Line covers 1,700 stocks every 13 weeks. So there you go. It's a lot of stocks. Um, and we cover particular industries and stuff that way. That is something I recommend to people. Uh, I would, actually, um, as much as we just said negative things about Value Line. <laughs> I would, instead of going and getting a membership to um, a website, your Morning Stars, your Guru Focuses, your whatever, um, that give you the ability to research everything, oddly, limiting yourself so that you can only research the one thirteenth of the universe that value line sends you every week. Um, I think is really useful. And actually that's something I think about reading stuff too. I do find that actually the thing I talked to you about Jamie diamond, he kind of mentioned that you want to sometimes try to read stuff that you wouldn't normally read. Mm-hmm. Not too I much. That was not, interesting. Not yeah. like way off topic. I'm not saying go and, and read, um, Eastern philosophy things mm-hmm. at the same time that you're reading your, your 10 K, but try to find things that are a little out there on the edges of what you would normally read things. You might disagree with things that, you know, to, um, to broaden your horizons that way or whatever. I thought that was interesting in that podcast where yeah. he said that he wakes up at whatever it was, five o'clock every day and mm-hmm. reads for an hour and a half. And he says he always tries to read a little bit of material that he just isn't interested in or would not regularly read uh, just to sort of broaden his horizons a little bit. And I yeah. thought that was that was 
really interesting. Yeah, and that's just for value line. If you ever do subscribe to value line, that's the really useful thing is if you actually make it a practice of like, I'm going to sit down for a few hours every week with value line, right? Um, there will be weeks where, and from their old shows, you can tell us there are weeks that they're like, uh, this is not a good industry. Like, you know, it'll be like Northeast banks and the aggregates industry or, you know, whatever it is, the random things that they have, you know, like it's like this week you get to pick a home builder or a foreign uh, utility or something, you mm -hmm. know, because value line only covers certain um, industries each week. Mm -hmm. And so that does force you to look at those things. And that is useful. And, and I do try to force myself to look at some industries that people would be surprised that I wouldn't think that I'd ever invest in. Mm -hmm. uh, you do try to look at them and, and analyze and stuff. Now, on the other hand, I don't look at like giant stocks and people know that and I could easily and it's but I feel like that's almost more of a gossipy sort of thing because the only thing I would get out of it we don't invest in stocks like that is I'd be able to talk to people about Bank of America and Wells Fargo and Facebook and whatever but that's almost like not as useful to me as finding an industry that I might not look at you know some cloud thing that's small or whatever yeah and then broaden my horizons that way yeah I thought this was a very interesting part from this write-up um you were talking about reading 10Ks or just doing research. And then you said, and it doesn't have to be 10Ks. Some of the best investors ever spent little time reading 10Ks or annual reports. I don't think Peter Lynch spent a ton of time reading 10Ks. I think he spent a ton of time talking to company management and trying to figure out the story of the company and the industry. Phil Fisher didn't spend a lot of time reading 10Ks either. He spent a lot of time talking to everyone in an industry he was interested in. So maybe reading a 10K a day won't be the road you take to becoming a better investor. It might not suit your style, but I know what won't work for you. Just reading books won't work. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking the approach of anything else besides the 10K if you're 100% focused on that stock or that industry and mm -hmm. you're doing like the investigation, tracking down the story yourself. And I can't say how much it's helped me, right? Yeah. Going on these road trips and really getting ingrained in the story and knowing the story outside of the financials. You yeah. Know? And then adding context to the financials because right. of the story. Yeah. That's all a number is. I mean, that's all financials are, right? There's not a lot of... Yes, you could... You could get stuff from them, but trying to add context to the numbers from, you know, things outside of the filings is something that I try to do. Yeah. And so I just like, um, it, the thing that's hard about it is like Peter Lynch would talk about or whatever, that he wants to have like a two minute pitch for the stock or whatever, which is true. Once you understand a stock really well, you'll just talk about it in like a minute or two. It'll sound so obvious to people when they hear what you're saying. But the work that went into that was focusing in on that story for a long period of time. The same thing. So when you read a Peter Lynch book or Phil Fisher book, they summarize the situation with the company in a paragraph or something. Mm -hmm. But they have an understanding of it that other people didn't because they went in and they learned about it and stuff. So there's nothing wrong with instead of reading a 10K a day sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to try to find online everything I can about this company. I'm going to try to find the contact information for all the people I want to talk to about this. I'm going to do talking to them, you know, emailing them, whatever, and have that be part of your day. But the important thing is not to instead just like passively spend that hour on Twitter mm -hmm. instead or on Corner Berkshire and Fairfax, sort of like find those tickers that you want to learn about and then actually do that research on your own. Because when you think about it, Peter Lynch and Phil Fisher would not do that. No, they were on the road and talking to management and they would not just listen to the rocks. what other people are saying and not mm -hmm. do it. I mean, the one thing about all the investors we talk about, they have very different styles and stuff, but they independently and actively research stocks. Mm -hmm. You know, they do the work themselves and they don't listen to what the crowd is saying and stuff. They just use that as a jumping off point to learn more about a business. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and I on the Focus Compounding Podcast. Make sure you check out The Value, guys. They are on iTunes and I'm assuming Spotify as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get access to this write-up and other write-ups just like this, go to focuscompounding.com slash app and then you will get... Uh, the keys, the premium access to this, and you'll get access to all the videos that we upload, um, our backlog of podcasts, and write-ups by Jeff, which he uploads every single day. So focuscompounding.com slash app. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, rating and review still goes a very long way for us on iTunes. Definitely very appreciative of that. And we will see you in the next podcast.